So Y'all are fucking wrong. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. You're incorrect. You don't know what you're wrong about, but fiscally, you're incorrect. Fiscally incorrect. I don't think they will mind the one-time shirt, but if with like videos and stuff. Because well, they're not going to think of that. We are recording, so we can ask them. Hey. 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 Welcome to Ghost and Hose. Ghost and Hose. Ghost and Hose, a paranormal podcast where we talk about all things spoopy. You did it. I have no idea what the fuck happened to me the last two times. Just too much jumbling around in uh-huh. my brain, and even my autopilot wasn't working. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, cryptids, mm-hmm. aliens, a motherfucking witchcraft. Ooh, I have water. Murder, <laughs> most fucking foul. Weird mm. shit. Well, I don't know if y'all noticed. Dicks of yore. Hunter's got some shade on him. Uh, I see that. <laughs> I noticed that last time. I just didn't say anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, he got real bloody. You uh-huh. did. We finally did it. Nice. Anyway, didn't want to hijack. But he, looked, he looked sunburnt. Wanted to point. Yeah, he looks very sunburnt. That's what happens when yellow styrofoam hits corn syrup blood. Right. Yeah, it looks like a, from my angle, looks like a uh, poorly applied self tanner. Uh huh. Yeah. The neck is real. Well, the neck looks like a twelve-year-old. Figuring out uh, makeup. Sure. sure. Not matching not matching your face to your neck. You know what's real fun, too? <laughs> that got cut. Oh, the, that the part? The styrofoam head part is gone. Well, so no one no one's actually going to see that. That's all right. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. It's like... forever going to live here with that hat on it. So. Well, I don't mind that. I just don't love that it's looking at me the whole time. Also intentional. <laughs> I figured as much. I mean, that's like having Hunter here with us. Always. Hey, <laughs> that was that was really good. Yeah, I'm like, mm. hey y'all. <laughs> oh, Hunter, you nerd. I'm Hunter Donaldson. <laughs> I'm a hey. soup demon. I'm a soup demon. That was real good. We just been here talking business. Uh-huh. We are. Yes. Should we? Should doing we pose lot, the question? Doing a lot of business yeah. lately. Yeah. Do the thing. Do the thing. Let's pose the question. Pose yeah. it. What do, you, what do you guys want from Patreon? Yeah, we're we're tiers. thinking about about revamping some stuff. Uh-huh. Introducing another uh-huh. tier or two. Uh-huh. Um. Obviously, you know, the the price is going to come with that, but uh-huh. we want to know what you guys would like to get out of the Patreon. Uh-huh. You know, we have uh, ten is the starting. Five. Five is the starting, mm-hmm. which just gets you the episode every month. Yep. And stick and, and the stickers and the signed um photo. But as far as the regular earnings, it like, is just the episode, right? Like that's what they get every month is the episode and yeah. then the stickers and everything are the first time. Mm-hmm. The first time signing. Yep. And then what is the what's the reward for ten? Ten is um same. Okay. But you get the holographic stickers, and uh, you should tell me, again, if you're on the squad page, if you haven't gotten to choose an episode title yet and you are a $10 patron, That's let right. me know, okay. uh, because that isn't listed on- On the tiers yet. On the tiers. Okay. Um, and I have no way to keep track of who has and has not. So if you have not and you are a $10 patron- uh, post in the squad page and let me know. Yeah. Um, don't just put it on the actual page. Don't send a message just because that will get lost. Yeah. Just be like, hey, I haven't done that yet. Yeah. And then if you haven't either, just comment on that person's and make a thread. Yeah. That would be neat. So we're thinking maybe doing like some monthly artwork to send out. Mm-hmm. We do. Ha- we only have um, 
a few magnets left. Right. And those did go with uh, $10. Those went with the 10 As well. Okay. Um, um, also thinking about doing some video mm-hmm, that you guys get access mm-hmm. to every month. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be, as of right now, toying around with just kind of the in-studio video. You get to see our faces mm-hmm, for mm-hmm, the episode mm-hmm. instead of just listening to the audio. But uh, we want to know, what do you want to see on a regular basis? Mm. You know, we when we're sending out when you guys sign up for the tiers, the sticker bombs and the patches and magnets, all great stuff. Soon to be T-shirts, from what I understand, all great stuff. But those are all one time. Mm-hmm. So what? What's going to what monthly? What do you want to see every month like? for the money that you're paying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can take that into consideration, because um, we want to. You know, we want to give you guys what you want while also. Doing this uh, as full-time as we can. Business. Yeah. It's business. It's business time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm down to just my socks. It's business time. That's why they're calling business socks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there was some business. Do we have business? (laughs) Business. Do we have any back hoes? Hoes of back? No. Nothing I can think of unless... You guys have anything you wanted to talk about before Fuck, we I don't started? Think I did. Uh, I watched the Black Phone. Mm. I liked it. Same. I liked it a lot. Same. It was real it was good. A very cool movie. I liked it a lot. Very very fun. It's like um, three of my favorite people making a movie. See yeah. Robert Cargill, okay. Scott Derrickson, and Joe Hill. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, he. It's based on a short story that he wrote. Oh, okay. and he is. For those that do not know, Stephen King's son. Oh, okay. Yeah. That explains a lot of the tone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My um, buddy, my buddy had two comments on it because yes. we watched it together. Yes. He said it would have loved to have seen more backstory on on the grabber. Yeah, I and didn't I like, hate it though. Exactly. I was like, I kind of well, was like the thing, ambiguous. The story is about the kids. Yeah. And when you start providing backstory to that guy, you're humanizing him. So everything he does has a purpose, mm-hmm. and all, and you don't. Yeah, I don't need there's it. There's no reaction. I don't always need it. Yeah, I, I don't, don't always. I don't need, need that to be story. sympathetic towards a, a child abductor. Yeah, you know. Um, and then the other one was he wanted to see more of a twist, mm. and I was like, why? Why? It was great. Scott Derrickson is not M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, it's not everything needs a twist. He thought there was going to be like a bigger reveal of something, and I'm oh. like, didn't need to be. No. I was perfectly okay with how it was told. Yeah, I like all the um, the nods to Sinister. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the long bloody mm-hmm. wall. Yeah. Somebody on Twitter asked Scott Derrickson, like, was that supposed to be? And he's like, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. But the true star of that movie was the little girl. I loved her so oh much. Oh, my God. The little sister, yeah. Gwen. Oh, what she calls she's so brilliant when she calls the two cops what does she say you stupid fucking fart knockers yeah literally lost it. my fucking lost i it. laughed so hard in the theater <laughs> it was almost inappropriate <laughs> and i was like thank you this movie for reminding me that fart knocker is a hilarious insult oh yeah especially when it's coming out of the mouth of a literal child uh-huh yeah and couple spoilers uh fast forward a few like a minute all of the uh, bloody manifestations of the kids, mm-hmm. especially 
the girl who was on her, like, her back was arched and she's just pointing at the wall. Mm-hmm. I think it was a little... So dope. Could have been a boy. A little, I think it was a little boy. Sure. Um, Sounds creepy as it fuck. It was creepy. There was one scene, and I don't remember which one, because my fr- I went to see it with my friend, um, and she's just now starting to start watch scary movies again. Oh, okay. Um, And I was like, I want to go see this do you want to go see it with me it's scary and she's like yeah that's fine I'll, i think i can handle it and i'm like okay and there was one part i think it was one of the first times um one of the dead kids pops up uh-huh and you're not expecting it yeah. and she literally jumped and screamed and i was entertained well, it was like no the, end. i think it was like i don't i don't, I don't want to call him the metal kid but it was like the kid who was yeah extremely yeah. shitty uh, i can't remember what she called pinball something yeah uh, yeah, he just pops up and he's just fucking covered in like blood and dirt. Yeah, you're like, ah! uh, Jesus. Yeah, but yeah, the, the whole uh, movie is so fucking good. It was really, really black really phone. Good. The black, black phone. phone. Yeah, it's really good. Ethan Hawke. Oh yeah, is the uh, antagonist. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's very good. Very, he's very, very good. good. And James Ransone for his brief appearances, uh, amazing. Is that the dad? The brother. Oh, the bro- yeah, he's yeah. Ra- he's good. He's very uh, good. The little boy, can't remember his name, that played Finney, uh-huh. he looks like Atreyu. Looks like Noah Hathaway oh, sure. from he The Neverending also- Story. And another actor that was on the show any day now, and I can't remember what his name is in real life. See, he looked so much like, oh, you tried so hard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone was trying to get a mint and had a, had a problem. It was a, a little, little, butter, little butterfingers. I'm so glad y'all saw that. Yep. I literally put it into my mouth and it fell directly onto the floor. You looked like one of those keen paintings. Just the big eyes. Like, I was like, oh, mint. Did I just not close my mouth? Did I just put it in and it fall? I was just lamenting the fact that my entire Altoids just spilled into my purse. So oh. there's that. Whatever. Mean, Floor mint, purse mint. I don't give a fuck anymore. Yep. Whatever. I, I blew it off. But exactly. Yeah, I thought for a second, the, uh, the kid who plays Finney looks like Ethan Hawke. So I oh, thought, thought there was going to be a I thought there was going to be a twist that he was like the dad. Ethan oh. Hawke was his real dad. Um but that doesn't happen. It does not. It's just the story of a haunted phone. And the little boy that plays Robin, also incredible. Yeah. Uh, that scene between them at the near the end. Where he's teaching Ooh. him how to shadow box. Got me. Yeah. yeah. Got me a little emotional. Yeah. A little choked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't cry, but I did get choked uh-huh. up. I did put my shirt over my nose and yeah. mouth just in case. <laughs> I was preparing. I'm like, uh-oh. It's sad o'clock. I gotta, gotta take care of this. I gotta take care of this. Um, but yeah, definitely recommend it. Yeah. I think it's coming to streaming soonish. Maybe? I think it is too. Yeah, I think um, it, in in the next day or so. Yeah. I saw something that's like it's gonna be here this weekend. You're like, oh, I surprise! Like, cool. I already watched it. Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I didn't want. I'm like, no, I want to see because my uh, one of my friends got to. Uh, she had a screener for it, and okay. she watched it like many many months ago, and she's uh, like, okay. I want everyone to see this movie immediately. <laughs> She's like, because I can't talk about it mm-hmm. until it comes out. Oh, something I also read, uh, oh, not really related. The Duffer Brothers are going back and retconning episodes oh, of Stranger Things. Yeah, because of Will's birthday. That was one thing, but they're like, we're also we're making changes throughout the entire show. We're not going to huh. tell anybody what's I happening. Mean, what What does that even mean? So they're going. They're what's making corrections. Oh, they're going back and changing things. Mm-hmm. They call, they're they they have coined the term George Lucasing. Yeah. The the main one is Changing Will's birthday. birthday because Changing it was it season May. it was season two, I believe. When, it was the first season. 
No, it's because I think it was when Will was in the hospital after he got back. I think she was like, "Do you know what it is? It's that's your birth." She's like, "It's March twenty second. You know what that is? It's your birthday. Right, right, right. It's your birthday." So they're changing that and to then May because it fits his season mouth. four. This season uh, took place over spring break, and it would have been Will's birthday, but nobody mentioned it, and everybody. F- so it's like everybody forgot he got sixteen candles, but they're going <laughs> back and changing it in the previous season, so it'll be May instead was, of March. It was a complete oversight on their part, but there's yeah. a scene in the second season where they're videotaping at the rower rink, and you can see March 22nd as the uh, the timestamp. Yeah, And people notice this? People are like, oh, yeah. this is the saddest day in any boy's history, because the whole scene is him being third wheel to Mike, Mike and, and Eleven. L. Yeah. At their skating rink and in this season. Couldn't it, that have been why he was Mr. Sad Pants the whole time? I mean, I thought that it added I, yeah, a same. lot to the story. I'm kind of sad they're changing it. Same. Um, um, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of people were really mad about it. And they're like, how dare you forget? I'm like, do you not realize that there's a whole entire universe that these people are writing? Like, they're going to forget. Yeah, gonna there's going to be little lapses like that. There's going to be little plot holes. But again, Don't worry about it. with the piece of the story they're telling, yeah. that just makes everything yeah. so much more impactful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, for everyone to forget his birthday while he is actively looking sad and third wheelie uh-huh. is, it's crushing. It's so crushing. Yeah. Most of all, his best friend in the entire yeah, world his best friend is completely forgets forgotten. his birthday. Um, but yeah, so that was funny. George Lucasing. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, <sighs> yeah. We all agree that he's in love with his oh, best yeah. friend. Okay, no, that's he's, like he's even said it. That's like basically established now. He's, okay, he's gay for Mike. Got it. Yeah, and there, if you go back and watch the earlier seasons, it is mentioned actually when in the first season when he goes missing Joyce is in Hopper's office talking about it and she was saying he's a sensitive boy Lonnie used to make fun of him Lonnie his dad that we uh-huh. see maybe once uh, and she's like used to call him queer and then all the other boys oh. when uh, after Will goes missing there's the bullies at school that are telling Mike, Lucas and Dustin that their friend you know is a F word I don't want to say it but, sure. you know yeah, uh, he's queer, blah blah blah, making fun of him and horrible eighties word. Said that, yeah. yeah, said that he got. Um, he's like, well, my dad said he probably got killed by some other f word. Ah, and so if you go back, it's kind of like always they bake been, it in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, been like a little thread under uh-huh. the surface. We're like, ah, oh, yes. Which I mean, when you consider the context of four boys, statistically, yeah. oh yeah, one mm-hmm. of them's gay. and then there's also the one, the scene between. Mike and Will, I can't remember if it was season two or season, I think it's season three, maybe, um, when they're kind of arguing because um, Mike and Elle are just always off together. Yeah. And uh, Will's saying something along the lines of like, I just want to play D&D. Why can't we play D&D anymore? Blah, blah, blah. And you're always with blah and all this stuff. And he's like, well, it's not my fault you don't like girls. That was said Oh yeah. a long time ago. Right, right, so, right. It was like subtle at first, and then there was that moment, and you're like, "Oh!" And then now this season, you're like, right. "Yeah, it's always kind of been a yeah. thing." Yeah, <laughs> and then he just straight up professes his love for Mike, Especially. not incredibly directly, but like not directly to Mike, but, but it's there. You can like his his speech about L and Mike. and then the fact that he just sobs afterwards. Not gonna lie, got yeah. me. Yeah, got me. I got me real good. Hope y'all watch that. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's at been this, out for like at this point. I if, mean, the second part dropped 
three weeks ago. Yeah. So over three weeks ago. No, three weeks ago. Yeah. It's like, mm, it's on you at this point. At this point, yeah. it's been long enough that if you haven't completely avoided the internet somehow, mm-hmm. I don't. And I believe the next season of Handmaid's Tale is coming out soon, too. In September. Yep. I still have not finished the last season. I don't really want to. It is rough, but the end is so worth it. Right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, we are there. (laughs) Living it. I don't need to watch Mm -hmm. a show. That reminds me of Shit, it reminds me it could always be worse. Well, it's true. <laughs> we could be in Gilead. They're trying. They're, yeah. they're, they're trying. They're trying. We're not That's there the yet. Point. And also, I mean, it kind of has been happening already to you know brown women. That's already a thing that has happened and happened always, mm-hmm. just not to that extent. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not new. It's not a new thing. Oh no! Oh no! So, yeah. No. Okay, I'm, we are recording. <laughs> well, who goes first? I do. All right. I think. Let me check. I'm pretty sure it's me. What were your stories last week? Yeah, because I did uh, uh, Isabel Gowdy. Yeah. And I think I went first. Scotland's Queen yeah. of Witches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I'm just double checking. Yeah. Just double checking. Roughly spoken elf boys. Roughly spoken elf boys. Uh, yes, you do. And then I did mummies. Yeah. So you go first, too. Oh, mommy dust. So, my friend Dino sent me a video recently. And was like, hey, have you ever covered this or anything like it? And I was like, no, I have not. I never considered it, literally never crossed my mind until the day when he sent me the video. (laughs) I was like, "Mm hmm, this is interesting. So with that, here's a list of animal serial killers. No, not serial killers that murdered animals. Animals that have committed serial murder. Oh, interessante. Which, by the way, there's way more of these stories than I had expected. So maybe I will do a part two someday, if you all are interested. So is this, uh, like, animals that have attacked people in the wild? Or is it like someone has brought an animal to do its bidding? More of the first one. Okay. At least in this list. Okay. Um, Someone let a bear loose in someone else's house. Cocaine bear! No, these are all animals doing revenge, pretty much. Sure, sure. Um, Oh, shit. So, first, we have the Man Eaters of Savo. Uh, In March of 1898, construction on the Kenya Uganda railway bridge over the Savo River began. As we know, working on any railroad was an incredibly harsh job, and a lot of the workers, largely people of color, would end up dying. Uh, the stretch of railroad went through what was formerly known as British East Africa, and there's a ton of history to be discussed on that situation alone, but that is not why we're here. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson was in charge of the operation, though he didn't arrive on site until construction had already started. Now... Like I mentioned, it wasn't at all uncommon for folks to die while working on the railroad, and this was no different. When you're in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by wild animals, it's probably a good idea to properly bury your dead, or else you may just run into some problems. Now, that is merely speculation as to the cause for what happened next, but it would make sense. So, a few days after... 
uh, J.H. Patterson arrives, shit gets weird. During the night, a maneless lion crept into the tent of Ungan Singh uh, and pulled the now screaming man outside of the tent by his head. Oh, no. It sadly did not end well for Ungan. Really? Weird, right? Uh, And to make it even worse, there were two of them. Not just one lion. Two lions. There were two. Oh, boy. Uh, Following the attack, J.H. and his men built a boma, which is a fence made of thorns, to keep the lions out of the camp. Sir, these are lions. They can jump vertically up to 12 feet, so your fence of thorns ain't shit. No. (laughs) Like, they're like, oh, okay. Like I see people make those on Naked and Afraid all the time. These are fu- they're like, yeah, and I'm a fucking lion. <laughs> I'm a cat. I'm a big cat. I live here. Kitty. I'm a big cat. I live here. And also, yes, they were maneless, but it was um that is actually a common trait for lions in that region, region. Okay. to not have manes uh, because of the heat. Oh, okay. Yeah. <sighs> Learned a lot about lions uh, this week. Um so thorns, lions do not give any cares about your no thorn fence. Given. They're like NFG. Basically, just a big old lion middle finger yep, to the. They're yep, like, yep. You fucking dumb dumbs. So this you... is where video is going to come into play. Exactly. Flip off the camera. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah but those it's the little lion paws would be like. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> they were, they were they were big. Big, Big lion paws, oh, yeah. BT dubs, but those they're just like looking at this fence, like you are the dumbest boy in school. <laughs> <laughs> so the lions were also able to find weak areas of the fence and slither out of the camp with screaming victims in their jaws. Like Oof. they literally, dr- not only are you being uh, drugged out of a tent by your head or throat by a giant lion, it is also now dragging you through a thorn fence. So that feels a not giant great. Or a lion. What? What are we talking a about? Giant lion. No. <laughs> no. A client. I don't know. That sounds like a company that makes pens. It does. What? A client. <laughs> Have you tried our new pens? I don't know, but that's, that's what it sounded like. I don't know either, but or, I or a company that sells like one very specific airplane part. I was just going to say airplane parts. Uh, okay. A client. A client. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Why? I don't know. Um, so hunting parties were sent out to kill the lions because, uh-huh. you know, they kept murdering people. Can't do that. Um, well, but they can actually. They, and they, they're like, this is my house. How dare you? Welcome to um, the So, most of the hunters never returned. Well, I mean, some of them did. Most of them didn't come back. Well, um, while the lions rarely left any evidence, Patterson spoke of one occasion where he found parts, Oof. saying, uh, saying of one victim that the skull, the jaws a few of the larger bones, and a portion of the palm with one or two fingers attached was something that he found. In a surprisingly kind move for a Christian Zionist, Patterson collected the man's wedding ring and sent it back to his widow. There's Um, a spider. Do you want me to kill it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Keep going. Get it. Um, At first... Oh, with my shoe. Thanks. Well, now it's... 
I feel like that was a lie. I don't think, I feel like you just made him real mad. I mean, um. you may have broken a leg or two, which if died starving back there. Oh no, he was crushed as fuck. Yeah. Oh, he's crushed. Okay, good. Um, so he was crushed as fuck. At first, one lone lion would sneak into a camp and pick someone off. Uh, it was said that they were known to grab victims by the throat and shake them. Oof. Which, Jesus Christ. Now, we can all chalk this up to just lions being lions, right? Normally, sure. But these weren't ordinary lions. They actively stalked the camps, making sure to never hit the same one two nights in a row. Uh, in fact, there was a long stretch uh, where they weren't attacking the railroad camps at all. However, word soon reached Patterson and his men that eerily similar lion-based murders had been going on in nearby settlements. Of course, the lions returned. Only this time, they entered the camp together and started taking out two people at a time. Ooh, Jesus. Boy, they are on one. Yeah, and they were both male lions, by the way, and Damn. they typically hunt alone, so this was really weird. Like. Right. If we've learned anything from elementary school, like female lions hunt in yes. a pride. Male lions hunt alone. Mm -hmm. These two dudes were like, come on, buddy, let's fucking take these dicks out. Yeah. And they did. Uh, so over the next nine months, the lions would kill an estimated 135 people working on the railroad, Holy though fuck. those numbers are probably exaggerated. Right. Uh, the Reign of Terror ended in December of 1898 when J.H. Patterson shot and killed both lions. Uh, the first one with five shots Oof. and the second with eight shots. Oof. Uh, it took eight men to carry the nine-foot, eight-inch body of one of the lions back to camp. Oh, my God. These were some big motherfuckers. I mean, lions are big. Yeah. Let's be real, but... Jesus. They big. Wow. Um, Patterson turned their corpses into rugs and displayed them for 25 years before selling them to the Field Museum of Natural History for $5,000 in 1924. Uh, by that point, the pelts were in pretty bad condition, but they were restored and reconstructed, and you can still see them today. Oh. And, if you were wondering... Yes, the 1996 Val Kilmer Michael Douglas movie The Ghost in the Darkness is a fictionalized account of this story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Next. Next. Uh, the Sankebetsu brown bear incident. Fucking bear. Is... I was going to say a bear is coming in here. Gotta somewhere. be a bear. Of course there's a bear. I was shocked. I, I'm kind of surprised it's not a polar bear. There's probably one out there, but this There's one... There's not that many people around polar bears, That's true. though. That's very true. Yeah. So, in the early morning hours of November 1915, the town of Sankebetsu, Japan, was in for a very rude awakening. Oh, no. Uh, an Usuri brown bear appeared on the doorstep of the Akita family home. Uh, there's a little bit of deb debate over whether the bear had woken from hibernation early or if it hadn't gone to sleep yet. Uh, it's not super uncommon for bears to start hibernation later if they haven't eaten enough to see them through their months-long slumber. Mm -hmm. um, though the same is true if they start hibernating at a normal time and wake up early because they're like, I didn't eat enough. I need to go eat some more so I don't starve to death in my sleep. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. So either way, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter which way it happened. 
Because if we know one thing about bears, do not get near one when it's hungry. Or on blow. Or ever. Well, or ever. Or ever. <laughs> Let's just stay away the fuck away from bears. Yeah. There, was, there, was no, there was no concern about cocaine bear, because he was on cocaine for all of seconds. By himself. Because... No one witnessed that party. Or he, maybe they did. He went out in a blaze of glory. He did. Oh, Pablo Escobar. R.I.P. to a real one. Uh, <laughs> 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 now I've got Bon Jovi, blaze of glory in my head. You're welcome. Thanks. Um, so yeah, don't, don't, don't get close to bears. Don't do that. Basically. Uh, don't do that. This bear startled the Aikida's horse and took some of their corn. Not a huge deal. While it was weird to see a bear at that time of year, it wasn't weird to encounter wild animals due to the newness of the city, uh, which is roughly seven miles inland from the west coast of Hokkaido. Uh, life went on and it was pretty normal until, of course, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. On November 20th, the bear returned. At this point, the head of the Akita family was getting pretty concerned for the safety of his horse because, you know, wintertime bear on the farm and all. Uh, so he's like hungry bear mm-hmm. my horse is g- giant um this might not be great so he called in his son and a couple of hunters from his village and the next one over and 10 days later the bear returned uh, they took a shot at it but only managed to wound it they followed the bear's tracks which were larger than usual uh and they followed it towards mount onishika where they did find blood stains in the snow However, a snowstorm prevented them from further tracking the bear, and they returned to the village, assuming that the injured bear would be too afraid of humans shooting it mm-hmm. to return. Oh, boy. Were they wrong? Yeah. On December 9th, a woman named Mayu Ota was home and looking after a little boy named Mikio. Oh, no, Mikio. Hmm. Uh, the bear entered the home around 10.30 a.m., and it got gruesome fast. Oh, Mikio. Uh, the bear took one swipe, or bite, depending on the source, at the little boy, uh, whose age I'm not sure of, but definitely under 10, um, and nearly decapitated him. Uh, meanwhile, Mayu was throwing all the firewood she can get her hands on at the bear, but her efforts were futile. Yeah. The bear knocked her down and drug her through the window and into the wilderness. Oh, shit. Uh, when Mayu's husband returned to their home, it was a slaughterhouse. Uh, some accounts say that after discovering the dead child, they found strands of hair stuck to the window that Mayu had been dragged through. Uh, the next morning, a group of 30 men went into the forest to search for Mayu and the bear uh, less than a mile into the woods. They encountered the bear. Five men fired their guns, but again, only one bullet landed, causing the now twice-injured bear to take off. After finding some blood on the ground, the men found Mayu's remains, uh, her head and parts of her legs, partially buried under a tree in the snow, meaning the bear was 100% planning on coming back to eat the rest of her in the near future. Right. Obviously, this was the same bear that had attacked the Oda home, and everyone in the village rightfully freaked out. Um, it had gotten a taste of human, and the likelihood of it returning was more than high now. They're oh, like, no. oh, he's gotten a taste for human flesh. He coming back. And oh. also, he's pissed because... He's been shot. Y'all shot him twice. Now he's mad. Vengeance. That's That, that bear, just two bullets. No, NBD. Yeah, he's like, I am enormous, and this is annoying, but fine. It's like having a tick for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
Later that day, armed villagers gathered at the Mayuke home, which was about 900 feet from the Oda homes, kind of like neighbors. Yeah. Um, and they waited for the bear to return, which he did at 8 p.m. Naturally, the village, uh, the villagers freaked out. Despite expecting it to come back, mm-hmm. they still were like, fuck, because <laughs> it's a bear. <laughs> and I get it. Yeah. You're like, yeah. we're waiting for him. But now that I see him and he's here, oh, fuck. Holy shit. Right. That's a fucking bear. It's a bear. Yeah, and he's mad. It's a mad bear. He's pissed. Angry bear. Um, This bear was huge, by mm-hmm. the way. Like, mm-hmm. huge. They, the type of bear he is, the Surrey brown bear, they typically range in height from six to nine feet tall. And this guy was just under nine feet tall. Mm-hmm. To give you a visual, imagine Shaq. He is seven foot one. This bear was roughly two feet taller than Shaquille O'Neal. It's a big fucking bear. Yeah. Uh, now, after making yet another appearance, one of the men in the crowd of 50 guards shot at the bear, but missed. No matter to the bear, he just went back into the woods again. The guards followed a trail into the forest to find the bear, but he had other plans. Oh, man. While all of this had been going on, a scared group of women and children waited inside the Miyuke house while the guards patrolled outside. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, after shooting at it this time, he didn't retreat into the woods. No, no, he circled back and entered the entered the Miyuke home. While the oh. guards are trying, there's one guard left. All the other guards have followed a trail they thought was the bears, and he's like, <laughs> "Idiots!" Mm-hmm. Doubled back. To a house full of women and children. Oh, Jesus. D- damn, bear. Mm-hmm. So the matriarch of the homestead was named Yayo. Uh, that evening she was fixing a late dinner for everyone, and her youngest son um, was on her back while she worked. There was a commotion outside, and suddenly a bear was in her house. The fire in the hearth and the oil lamp went out, leaving everyone inside in total darkness with a pissed-off giant Fucking bear. Mm-mm. Chaos obviously ensued. No, thank you. <laughs> when Yayo attempted to run for the door, one of her young sons grabbed her legs in panic, causing her to fall. Oh, no. Uh, she was then attacked, and the baby on her back was bitten. Oh. He, I, he was probably two at the most. Um... One guard had stayed behind while the rest went to follow the trail they'd assumed was left by the bear. Uh, when he heard the commotion inside, he opened the door and was attacked. My head immediately goes to the old SNL episodes where it's like Gilda Radner on one side of the door and she hears the knock and she's like, hello. And you just hear like a muffled, cram and you open the door and it's a shark. That's what my brain went to. It's like, hello, I've got firewood for you. Just kidding. I'm a fucking bear. Because that's just the way my brain works. It is the devil, and I know this. So the bear is in the house. The guard is now getting attacked by the bear. When he's just like, what? Is why, why me? Pretty right. much. Um, so while... He was getting clawed in the back. Yayo was able to escape outside with two of her sons. She's like, better you than me. Goodbye. Runs outside. 
Unfortunately, there were still people in the house, and the bear ended up killing two children, including one of Yayo's sons. And a pregnant woman. Oh, God! Villagers would later recount hearing the terrified woman pleading with the bear to kill her quickly by striking her in the head and begging it to leave her stomach alone. He is a bear. Yeah, but that's that's sad. Very sad. She's trying to reason, to ra- reason with, a, with bear. a bear. I mean, yeah, it's... Oof, oof, yeah. Damn it. Um, yes. By this point, some of the guards had already made their way back into the village where they were met by a severely injured Yayo who told them what had happened. The bear was still inside the house wreaking havoc, so the men suggested setting the house on fire to finally kill it, but Yayo refused just in case someone was still alive inside. Right. Fair. Yeah. Um, The guards flanked the house, preparing to attack once the doors were opened, but the bear took off into the night. Yet again. Fuck this bear, man. Fuck this bear indeed. This and by a menace. By this point, it had killed seven people in total and injured at least three more. Holy shit. Yeah. Yayo's husband, Mayuke Yasutaro, uh, decided to pay a visit to a man named, uh, named Yamamoto Hikechi, a professional bear hunter, Ooh. and ask him for help. Uh, Miyuke explained everything that had happened, and Hikechi believed it was the same bear that had attacked and killed three women sometime in the past. Mm-hmm. However, he told Miyuke that he had sold his gun for booze and was no longer in the bear hunting business. And he's like, sorry, buddy, you are shit out of luck. Well, I don't fuck. have a gun anymore, but I do have this booze, so please be on your way. Kenpai. Yeah. Um, after a few days, though, he agreed to come out of retirement and help take down the bear. He called Kisagake, which means uh, diagonal slash across. Okay. I don't, I don't know if he had the wound, but that was the name he was given, I guess. Uh, after waiting in the village for a few days, uh, Kisagake, the bear, returned to the Ota home, absolutely thrashed it, and ate their entire stockpile of winter food. He then proceeded to ransack eight neighboring houses. Jesus Christ. But no one was hurt this time. Uh, Law enforcement was involved by this point, and on the night of the ransacking, a sniper shot at Kisagake, the bear, but again only managed to injure him before he booked it back into the woods. Boy, these people are either lousy shots, or that's just one fucking tough bear. I'm going to say a little bit of both. A little column A, a little column B. Uh, Hikechi uh, and a guide tracked the bear, found him sleeping under a tree, and Hikechi shot him twice, once in the head and once in the chest, finally killing him. After gathering the bear's body, he was measured and weighed, topping out at 749 pounds. During the necropsy, uh, which is the autopsy for animals, Mm -hmm. uh, human human remains were found in his stomach, Proving that they'd got the right bear. As we learned in the story of Cocaine Bear. Correct. Uh, His skull and some of his fur were kept, but there's no record of where it is now. Yayo's son, the one that was bitten while on her back, would die three years following the attack from his injuries. Uh, However, one of the little boys that miraculously survived, Okawa Hariyoshi, grew up to become a bear hunter. Weird. And I believe... uh, Hikichi, the guy that was the professional bear hunter, I think that was like his mentor. Okay. Um, so he grew up to become a bear hunter. He vowed to kill ten bears for everyone that had died in the attack. So it's a lot of bears. Seventy, 70 bears. bears. And by the time he retired in his sixties, he had killed one hundred and two. Wow. We mathed. 
We did math. Uh, he then opened a shrine in honor of the people that died during the rampage. Okay, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff we, about We went this. eye for an eye on that, killed a bunch of innocent bears, but whatever. I mean, right? Look, like they didn't, know it. they hey. didn't do it. Um, there are like manga, anime. There's, I believe, a play about this. Jesus. Um, movies in Japan. So there's also the village... Deal. Um, is very remote, but if you ever do happen to go there, they do have, um, there's that shrine that he created and there's like a big statue of a bear. Yeesh. Yeah. Next. You remember I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was eight or nine because I thought that meant I could swim with whales and dolphins all fucking day? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to go back in time to tell that sweet dumb angel this absolute bummer of a story. Oh, no. Because here we go. Uh, In 1983, a two-year-old orca was captured in eastern Iceland. Uh, He spent the next year of his life at the... Oh, boy. This is an Icelandic word. It's got a lot of letters next to each other that I don't think should be there. Don't. A lot of J's and K's? Lots of F's. F's. Oh, J's and F's. I'm so sorry to any Icelandic listeners. Um, Hafnarfjordr Marine Zoo. Sure. Sounds right to me. Hold on. I'm going to pull this up. How do you spell it? Well, okay, here we go. H-A-F-N-A-R-F-J-O-R-D-U-R. Fjord is definitely in there. Oh, yeah, that one I got right. Yeah. Hold, please. Hefnarfjordr. Where is my translate? I don't know. There it is. Found it. Yeah. No, I don't want to update Spanish. No, I don't want to. You're killing me. Okay. Are you going to do it? Hang on. I hope so. I hope so, too. Otherwise, this is for not. Agreed. Hey. (laughs) I'm the one trying over here. I tried! Volume is off. Okay. (laughs) Hello to you two. Sure. I would... You want one more time? No, I'm good. For posterity. I don't speak... Zoo. I don't speak it. What's it called? Don't make me do it. No, that. after the word. Oh, Marine Zoo. Marine Zoo. There you go. <laughs> go on. Nailed it. Uh, this was the, the that the Marine Zoo. It's the same place where Keiko spent time. Free Willy. Got that it. That whale. Um, however, the Marine Zoo uh, went bankrupt in 87. This. Yeah. They're like, mm, nope. Um, so the two-year-old orca. Go oh God. You are killing me <laughs> absolutely killing me you're welcome now there's a time and, and place for the verve it is not this it's not now it's not now it's not today um it's not verve time it's not verve o'clock um <laughs> it's vervin time <laughs> i mean i like it but it's not vervin time oh, okay. not maybe later maybe later maybe later <laughs> Uh, anyway, so he spent a year of his life at the zoo, and then he was shipped off to Sealand of the Pacific in British Columbia, British Columbia, Canada. 
uh, he was placed in a tank with two adult female orcas who kicked the shit out of him so regularly that he frequently had to be kept in a smaller medical pool to escape them. Wow. Uh, Between being kidnapped, kept in tiny enclosures, and being tortured by fellow whales, it's safe to say that Tillicum was unwell. Oh. Yep. Oh, Tillicum the whale. That's why I saved his name for there. Yeah. Have you seen Blackfish? I get there. I get there. No, I'm not going to divulge on this story. No. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Uh, it'll give you feelings. So, in February of 1991, he would sadly prove just how damaged he was. Um, so, 20-year-old Kelty Byrne, a student and competitive swimmer, worked at Sealand as an animal trainer while attending the University of Victoria. On February 20th, 1991, she slipped and fell partially into the pool after the last whale show of the day. She attempted to pull herself out of the pool, but one of the whales, later identified as Tillicum, pulled her under the water. The incident was described in a piece for the Seattle Times. For the next 10 minutes, the whales playfully batted the screaming burn around the pool, dragging her underwater as Sealand employees tried to get her out. She went up and down three times, said Nadine Callan. They almost got her once with the hook pole, but they couldn't. The whales were moving so fast. Corinne Cowell, another witness to the incident shared that they were very gentle. They were just attracted to another object in the water. While Sealand manager Al Bowles said, it was just, it was just a tragic accident. I just can't explain it. The whales were just playing. We feel she drowned. Ah. Uh, According to trainer Colin Baird, who arrived after the incident, they had a hard time getting to her. When I arrived, the police suggested that it was a body recovery and not a life-saving effort. And truly that's what it became. Yep. Uh, Steve Huckster, head trainer for Sealand, said of the whales that they never had a plaything in the pool that was so interactive. They just got incredibly excited and stimulated. It is crazy how much bullshit the human mind can can produce. Mm. I remember when this happened. It took several hours for them to recover her body as the whales were guarding it. Um, the year after Kelty's death, which was officially ruled an accident, Sealand closed for good and Tillicum, or Tilly, was sold to SeaWorld Orlando, uh, where he was set to be used for breeding and in shows. Uh, he would end up having, I believe, 21 whale which children. Sounds like a pretty big case of overbreeding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Things seem to go as well as expected for keeping whales in captivity, especially one like Tillicum, for the next few years, until 1999, when shit once again went south. Uh, In later testimony provided to the Orange County Sheriff's Office, SeaWorld employees recalled seeing 27-year-old South Carolina native Daniel Pete Dukes in the park on July 5th, noting his, quote-unquote, attire and lack of personal hygiene. Other witnesses in the park that day claimed to have seen him, quote-unquote, mumbling to himself and said that he looked dirty and had a foul odor about him. One witness said they had encountered Dukes twice that day, sharing that his second run-in with Dukes was around 10 a.m., where he witnessed Dukes wandering around the front gate plaza, glaring suspiciously at young girls, was a statement that this witness made. Dukes hid in the park that evening, Um, after it closed, and made his way to the orca pool. 
SeaWorld claims that there's no security footage of the pool from that night, so it's still relatively unclear whether Dukes fell into the pool or if he got in to take a swim. I'm going with the latter. Yeah. Either way, it didn't end well. The next morning, Dukes' naked body was discovered in Tilly's pool. Uh, His clothes were found folded on one side of the pool, but divers would eventually go into the tank to retrieve anything not normally found in that environment. Like people parts. Uh, Well, this included swim trunks, the cord to said swim trunks in complete opposite ends of the pool, and uh, this is another quote, three separate pieces of human tissue. Ew. Paramedics arrived quickly, but Dukes was already gone. While checking over the body, the paramedic reported multiple abrasions on small lacerations, though Jim Solomon, a public information officer for the Orange County Sheriff's Office, would state that when when he was found, he was draped over the back of the whale, and the only analogy I can draw is like a fireman would carry a victim out of a burning building. There were no obvious signs of trauma. Mm. Executive animal trainer Chuck Tompkins said that Tilly, or said of Tilly, he's not an aggressive animal. He's good with the trainers. He has a good relationship with a lot of the trainers. He understands people. He enjoys working with us. I think he was caught off guard with an unfamiliar object in the pool. Uh, SeaWorld Executive VP and General Manager Victor Abbey shared that Tilly hadn't been trained to interact with humans and was instead used in the whale shows to splash the guests with water. So he wasn't usually the one that was like the one they were riding on and stuff like that. I wonder if Tillicum uh, told them all that himself. Of or, course. Clearly. Or uh, Don't worry. published a little memo. I will also talk about that in a second. God damn, this story is so fucking infuriating. Yeah. Watch so. Blackfish. Abby went on to say that in the 35-year history of SeaWorld, this has never happened before. While that bit may have been true, the coroner's report of Daniel Dukes showed a bit of a different story than the narrative put out by SeaWorld. Uh, They were adamant that Dukes was a vagrant and a criminal that had trespassed on their property and likely got into the pool and drowned as a result of drugs. No drugs were found in Duke's system. Oops. There it is. Uh, there were also multiple abrasions and contusions found on his body that had occurred before his death, and some real gnarly injuries that took place, thankfully, post-mortem, including the avulsion, a.k.a. tearing, of his scrotum and testicles. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not great. Duke's parents filed a lawsuit against SeaWorld, uh, with Victor Abbey stating that the suit itself was, and this is his quote, as crazy as they come, before adding, not only was that incredibly bad judgment to try to take a dip with a killer whale, but remember, the water is 50 degrees, ice-cold water. Eventually, the family dropped the suit for reasons unknown, and Abbey claimed that no settlement was paid. Nobody knows why. Um, following Dukes' death, Rick O'Berry, a marine animal trainer, weighed in on the matter, sharing that Dukes, who had formerly lived in a Miami uh, Hare Krishna temple, was known for loving nature and volunteering to help feed the homeless, feeding wild animals like birds, mm-hmm. squirrels, whatever, in his area. Like, seemed like a pretty chill guy. He probably just wanted to encounter the beautiful creature up close. Uh, he continued explaining that... I think the whale probably pulled Dukes down and held him underwater. I don't think they know how often we breathe. The problem is that the whales have nothing better to do. They're bored. We literally bore them to death. It's like you living in the bathroom for your life. Mm -hmm. Eleven years later, 
Tillicum would claim one more life. On February 24, 2010, 40-year-old SeaWorld trainer Don Branchot and Tillicum performed together in the Dine with Shamu show. Uh, that show was where park guests ate poolside, at, like an open-air restaurant, um, while watching the whales perform, and the whales would also get fed at the same time. If I may, real quick. I guess. I had to look... Contributing to your story. Uh, I'm a heckler. So... I looked this up, uh-huh. and according to wow.uscgaux.info, in 50 to 60 degree water, your survival time is six hours. In 40 to 50 degrees, survival time is half that, about three hours. So uh-huh. his whole point about 50 degree water uh-huh. is complete horseshit. Oh, I that know dude could have survived for three hours without a whale attacking him and, and been fine. Oh, I know it's garbage. Yeah. I don't disagree. That I know. I just, I, I, I heard that when I heard him say that, I'm like, yeah. Oh no. That's Everything not true. they said is garbage. <laughs> there's no uh, way. They also, devil's advocate, don't know how long he was in the pool in general. Right. But to, so, put, to lay still, that claim. Oh yeah. No, it's still totally especially garbage. Especially because it's open water. Oh yeah. In an environment where that's going to fluctuate. If he oh, falls yeah. in at 3 a.m., it's not going to be 50 right. degrees at 6 a.m. Yeah. I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying. It's all garbage. Oh, I know. It's all garbage. It's trash. So, open air show. People are, lots of witnesses are here eating dinner, probably, watching whales perform and sure. get fed, which is weird to think about as an adult that knows better. Um, so the end of the show had one final little performance piece, which involved Dawn laying next to Tilly on a platform, uh, with her face close to his while she rubbed his head. Just kind of like, oh, you know, like a giant water dog. Not though. Um, they, in an instant, Tillicum grabbed Dawn by the ponytail and dragged her under the water. Yeah. They believe that her hair, kind of like the water, caused it to like just float into his mouth, and then he just went, yoink! Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, employees reacted quickly and attempted to distract Tilly by throwing food into the water, but it was no use. Uh, they were eventually able to direct him into one of the smaller medical pools, and keep in mind, there are other whales in this pool at uh-huh. the same time. It's not just him on his own. There are mm-hmm. other whales in there, so they have to like get all of these whales away from what's happening. Uh-huh. Otherwise, they and just play a fun little game. Like with Kelty. Right. With all three of them playing uh-huh. human volleyball, uh-huh. basically. Uh-huh. Um, and so they're like, shit. And they're frantically trying to, like, corral wild creatures And they have to away. do it in about 45 seconds to a minute. Yeah, real fast. Also, uh, not to mention the crowd that is yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot happening. Um, yeah, it was all bad. Um, he wouldn't release Don's body until roughly 45 minutes after the initial attack. Wow. Uh, guests reported seeing the 23-foot, 12,000-pound animal carry Don in his mouth and shake her like a rag doll. Uh, he was also witnessed diving to the bottom of the pool with Dawn still in his mouth. At one point, surveillance video shows Dawn um, escaping and attempting to swim away from Tillicum, but he strikes her down and eventually puts her back in his mouth. 
Uh, the autopsy report concluded that Dawn's death was the result of blunt force trauma and drowning, but her injuries were severe. Oh, yeah. Uh, she suffered from fractures to her ribs, jaw, a cervical vertebrae, uh, the dislocation of her left elbow and knee, several broken bones, a severed spinal cord, and she had been completely scalped. Yeesh. They had to dive to the bottom of the pool to retrieve her scalp and whistle. I imagine that probably was one of the first things to go. Yeah, oh, yeah. When he yanked yeah. her down. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oof. 12,000 pounds. Yeah. Um, they also had to retrieve one of Don's arms from Tillicum's mouth after they were finally able to get her body away from him. Wow. Following Don's death, trainers were no longer allowed to get into the pools with any of the orcas. Weird. And other safety protocols were put into place to protect SeaWorld employees. Uh, in January of 2017, SeaWorld announced that after at least a year of deteriorating health, 35-year-old Tillicum had died from a bacterial infection. Uh, the 2013 documentary Blackfish delves into Tillicum's life and the negative, negative effects of captive whales. So if you want more details, I'd recommend checking it out. Uh, but before I move on to the next entry on the list, uh, I just wanted to share this absolutely bone-chilling bit of information. Um... As of 2022, four humans have died due to interactions with captive orcas. Tillicum was involved in three of those deaths. Yeesh. Yeah. Yeesh. Mm. Three. Fuck that place for all, forever and always. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't care how many changes they've made. Nah. Fuck that place forever. There are, there's got to be better ways to do conservation. Like, this, that is not it. No. Like, Far from it. Mm-mm. Like, like, conservation is our goal. Is it SeaWorld? Are you sure? Is your goal, so you're charging admission? Right, exactly. I'm like, mm. You're putting on shows? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like it. Garbage town. USA population. SeaWorld. Putting, putting uh, orcas in a giant pool with absolutely no natural or... Uh, uh, well, it's like that one. Plant life. It's like that one trainer said. It's like it's like living in your bathroom your whole life. Yeah, like they're bored. I, I did you? I apologize if I missed this. Did you uh, when you're setting up Tillicum talk mm-hmm. about the pool that he was initially kept in? No, uh, it made me too sad. <laughs> that the when they captured when it was sea the the Icelandic marine zoo. Um, I didn't want to talk about that too much because, uh, again, it just really made me rough. sad. It was, they went bankrupt for a reason. They yeah. did not, and it wasn't just, like, it was a zoo as well and also an aquarium. And those animals were treated horrifically. If I remember correctly, the pool that they kept Tillicum in when they first caught him was 100 feet long and 10 feet deep. Oof. Yeah. And he was... Immobile. He was two yeah. years old, and they also, like, the way that they transferred, where they kept them in, like, just the tiniest of pens, uh-huh. and they constantly had, like, scratches from, like, rubbing up against the sides. Um, and the two female whales that he was with at Sealand. Sealand, that's what it was. The yeah. one in uh, Canada, because uh-huh. there's the Icelandic one, which was horrific. Yeah. Sealand was not much better. Right. Um, but he constantly had, uh, like, it, what looked like a rake had mm-hmm. gotten him because of the way that they would, like, run their teeth 
along his body. Um, these two older female whales mm-hmm. just fucking with him because he was basically a baby compared yeah. to them. So yeah. if you... and one of them, one of the female whales had been through some pretty severe trauma because she was brought there first. She had a mate. It died. Just a cycle That's where all, like yeah. she kept ending up alone, and she then eventually was just like, "Fuck." All of these other yep. whales. So if you want to be really upset and see some fucked up shit Black about fish. whales, watch Blackfish. Yeah. Duly noted. A very, very, very heart-wrenching documentary. Yep. Duly noted. You will cry. Yep. <laughs> Thinking about it, it too much rough. makes me want to cry. Yep. Um, yeah, I could not watch it. I tried, and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, Duly but yes. noted. But yes. Uh, yeah, I do remember going to SeaWorld as a child yeah. because, you know, you are a child and right. have no idea. Um, and then I also went to, I think it was like the was it Lincoln City Aquarium in the mm. early 90s. Sounds right. Where Keiko was mm. after Free Willy came out. Uh, right now, Blackfish is on Amazon Prime. There you go. If you want to check it out. But yeah, that was, I guess I can't remember when that was like the early 90s. So it was probably like nine. And then I was like, wait a minute. This does not seem... Remotely big enough because look at that fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Because when you try and picture 23 feet, it's very hard. Yeah. You're like, I have nothing to compare it to because that is so many feet. That's like that's a lot of feet. That's like five, a little, a little more than five of me stacked. Yeah. Or a little less than, like, a little less than five of me stacked, which. I don't like that image. Yeah. One is plenty, but yeah. That's <laughs> it's one is plenty. It's a huge bummer. And lastly, picture it. 1916, the Jersey Shore. Oh boy. It was July. And everyone was expecting to enjoy the sun and the sand, but there was one problem. Sharks. Yeah. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Uh, sharks. If you are old and watched a lot of the internet uh, in high school in the early 2000s, I hope you get that reference. Sharks. Um, I know exactly one person that will that listens. Not me. No. Um, so on July 1st, 25-year-old Charles Epting Van Sant was enjoying a family vacation at the Ingleside Hotel in Beach Haven, New Jersey. Shortly before dinner, he decided to go for a quick dip in the ocean. (sighs) However, not long after Charles swam out into chest-deep water, fellow beachgoers heard him shouting. Initially, they thought he was yelling for the dog that he'd been playing with on the beach earlier. I believe it was an English setter for anybody that needed to know. Um, They were like, oh, maybe he's just wanting it to come swim with him. Whatever. Uh, But they quickly realized that something was actually wrong a lifeguard and another bystander rushed into the water to help charles only to realize that a shark had been attacking his legs oh uh the men pulled most of charles to shore he was missing one leg completely and almost all of the other leg yeesh um and they claimed that the shark pursued them nearly all the way back to the shore um They took him back to the hotel to, I'm assume, call for help, but sadly, Charles bled out and died on the hotel manager's desk. Ooh. Yeah. Despite rumors of shark sightings along the coast, the beaches remained open. 
and although the Ingleside Hotel did put up some safety netting near where Charles was attacked, it didn't help because the next attack took place 45 miles away. Mm-hmm. On July 6th, the second attack occurred 45 miles from Beach Haven in the town of Spring Lake, New Jersey. This time, the victim was 27-year-old Bell Hop, an avid swimmer, Charles Bruder. Uh, he'd gone for a lunchtime swim and was roughly 130 yards from shore, which was further than most people go, when he started to scream. Witnesses claimed to watch in horror as Bruder's body was flung into the air as the shark tore his legs off. Jesus. One witness, Mona Childs, said that the shark would leave Bruder alone and then quickly swim back to him. And she said it was like, quote unquote, how an airplane attacks a Zeppelin. Mm. I don't love that. Mm -mm. I don't love that. Uh, When lifeguards made it to Bruder in a lifeboat, he allegedly told them, a shark bit me, bit my legs off. Uh, When they pulled him into the boat, they realized that everything below his knees was gone. Mm. He went into shock and bled out before the boat reached the shore. Wow. According to an article in the New York Times, uh, women were panic-stricken and fainted as Bruder's mutilated body was brought ashore. Mona Childs, witness to the attack, reportedly ran back to the hotel and demanded that their operator call all the nearby hotels on the shore and tell them to get their guests out of the water. Yeah. Which fucking good on you, Mona. Right? Hell yeah, Mona. Dang. Uh, Following his death, several employees and guests of the Essex and Sussex Hotel, where Bruder had worked, pitched in with other neighboring hotels and raised money to send Bruder's mother back in Switzerland, Mm. which is very nice. Uh, Doctors and scientists alike were baffled by the attacks, believing believing them to be the work of an orca whale, as sharks weren't known to attack humans. In Uh fact, instead of being like, okay, maybe it was a shark this time, though, experts threw out a ton of alternatives, including sea turtles, mackerel, or possibly even a German U-boat. Oh, come on. I know. Uh, Dr. William G. Schoeffler had had enough of the hysteria and said, this is not the slightest doubt that a man-eating shark inflicted the injuries. Duh. You'd think the word of a well-respected medical professional would be taken seriously, but we all know that's unfortunately not always the case. Uh, On July 12th, everything was nice and calm in the town of Matawan, New Jersey. They'd heard the stories of the alleged shark attacks along the shore, but they were 11 miles inland. Uh, They were nowhere near the beach. They were safe, except they weren't. Or so they thought. Yeah. Uh, That day, fisherman Thomas Cottrell was out on his boat when he saw a formidable shadow under the bridge. The eight and a half foot creature easily gliding its way through the brackish, muddy waters of the Matawan Creek. Uh, Cottrell was well aware of the shark attacks and quickly made his way back into town to warn the authorities, who dismissed him almost immediately. Oh, that was dumb. So he then decided to run through the town and warn anyone he saw of the potential danger by telling them to keep out of the water. Mind you, it was hot as fuck, because mm-hmm. it is July. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, it's, don't go swimming in the afternoon in July, because there's a shark in the creek. And everybody's like, hey, buddy. Uh, maybe drink some water. Um, you need to sit down? Because that sounds insane, my friend. And he's like, but no, really, there's a fucking shark in the creek. Like, no. Nobody 
just get out of here, sir. You're made of bananas. That is <laughs> absolutely the other. Like, that's that's not a thing. That's just not a thing. But unfortunately, it was. He was right. At around 2 p.m., a group of young workers from the local basket factory mm-hmm. um, had been given the rest of the day off due to the heat. So they decided to take a swim. Um, 11-year-old apprentice Lester Stillwell was part of the gang of skinny-dipping youths. It's hot. It's 1916. They just got off work because it's 1916. Right. Um, They're just going for a swim. Uh, While playing in the creek near an area known as uh, Wyckoff Dock, the boys spotted at what they first thought to be, and this is a quote, uh, an old black weather-beaten board or a weathered log. They spotted the dorsal fin too late. Before Lester could get to the shore, the shark attacked and pulled him under the water. Oh, boy. The rest of the boys ran back into town screaming, shark, shark, a shark got Lester. Several people thought the boys were pulling a prank. Other concerned residents thought that Lester may have had a seizure, uh, but definitely not a shark attack. (laughs) No matter what the truth was, several men waded into the water themselves to help find the little boy, because... Mm-hmm. No matter what had happened, he was missing. Mm-hmm. Um, 24-year-old Watson Stanley Fisher was among the search party. Uh, he, in every single article I read, it mentioned how tall he was. So mm-hmm. he's a tall, young, athletic business dude. Cool. Um, so he was an excellent swimmer and volunteered to dive down into the deeper parts of the creek to see if he could find Lester. Um, accounts differ on what exactly happened next. Some say that after a few dives, Fisher came up empty-handed and made his way back to the shore, while others claim he was carrying Lester's mangled body as he waded back to land. Either way, he did not make it. Oh, no. Onlookers watched as Fisher tried to gain his footing on the muddy creek floor when he was suddenly rammed into on his right side. He was then pulled under the water and attacked repeatedly. Uh, People in the crowd would later recount Fisher fighting back against the shark, like Uh beating it, trying to get it away from him. But it didn't let him go until someone went out in a rowboat and started beating it with an oar. Wow. Fisher was taken out of the water and rushed to the hospital where he died from his injuries only two hours after the attack. Doctors estimated that 10 pounds of flesh had been ripped away from Fisher's right thigh alone. Yeesh. According to author, uh, New Jersey physician and expert on the attacks, Richard Fernicola, it was just bone. Scratched bone. Ooh. Yeah. Meanwhile, 14-year-old Joseph Dunn, his brother, and a friend were all swimming downstream, totally unaware of the fatal attacks that had just taken place 30 minutes earlier. Oh, boy. Joseph started swimming towards the dock ladder and was mere feet away when he suddenly felt something scrape along his leg. Before he could do anything else, the shark clamped down. His brother and their friend grabbed Joseph's arms and started pulling him towards the dock, but the shark pulled him right back towards the water. Uh, after a brief game of tug-of-war, the shark let go. Joseph's leg was injured, but he lived. Oh, wow. Making him the sole survivor of the attacks. Uh, on July 14th, the body of Lester Stillwell was discovered 150 feet upstream from uh, Wyckoff Dock. Mm-hmm. Um... After the attacks, a war on sharks was declared. The creatures were hunted, with some Matawan residents even throwing dynamite into the water to blast the monsters out. Of the anti-shark hysteria, Fernicola said, 
They wanted to kill as many sharks as they could, but quickly figured out that was futile. Right. That said, many innocent sharks were captured in the process of hunting down the Jersey man-eater. Uh, scientists have disagreed over what breed of shark was most likely responsible since the incident took place. Mm -hmm. uh, majority believe that it was probably a bull shark. But a juvenile great white was caught and killed near Matawan two days after the final attacks by, get this, a lion tamer from Barnum and Bailey Circus by the name of Michael Schleiser. Rando. Uh, yeah. Uh, the shark that Schleiser caught was 325 pounds, seven and a half feet long, and it nearly sank their boat because it was the same fucking size. Wow. Yeah. Schleiser attacked it with a broken oar and killed it with a broken oar. Oh, Jesus. Uh, he cut the shark open and found, and this is going to be a real gross quote, uh, found about 15 pounds of suspicious fleshy material and bones in its belly. Oh, boy. Which was later proven by scientists to be human remains. Sounds like they got their shark. After Schleiser's capture and killing of the shark, no more attacks were reported. Time passed, and eventually people went back into the water, all but forgetting the attacks that claimed the lives of four young men. That is, until Peter Benchley penned a little book based on the attacks <laughs> in 1974, which was then turned into a film the following year. What was that called? The incident from 1916 is even directly referenced in the film itself. And yes, I am obviously talking about Steven Spielberg's Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there you have it. Some of the most bananas cases of animals turning the tables and seeking revenge on Earth's most dangerous predators, men. Yikes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, there is a shocking amount more of those kinds oh, of yeah. stories. So maybe a part two next week. I don't know yet. Uh, my sources were mirror.co.uk, Jane Lavender, which I feel like is the most British name I've heard in a while. Uh, Grunge.com, Amy Beeman. Grapevine.is, Vera Illigodoter. YouTube.com, Kenji Pictures. It's not a real name. It, it is, just doesn't look like one, and it feels like not a real name when I say it. Um... YouTube.com, Kenji Pictures, Crack.com, Robert Evans, Wikipedia, CBSNews.com, CheatSheet.com, Amanda Harding, A to Z Animals.com, Patrick Sather, WildExplained.com, DolphinProject.com, Elizabeth Bat, TheVintageNews.com, Boban Dochevsky. All right. Mm-hmm. TheOrcas.tumblr.com, Simply Emily. Uh, WashingtonPost.com, Steve Hendricks, HistoryCollection.com, Tim Flight. All that's interesting.com, William DeLong, and archive.seattletimes.com. All right. I will say I looked up a little bit on Blackfish. Mm -hmm. uh, there are certainly some very exaggerated and somewhat misleading points in that documentary. Oh, I'm sure. Really what it comes down to. Stop fucking trapping fish. Yeah. Go on. I've got a story. Do you now? In fact, I have three. Oh. So, uh, I fully intended to do a list because lots of recording this week, going out of town, lots of things going on, and then I came across this topic and this thing, and it is so long, and you will understand how it is broken down into parts. So, I've got a three-parter, okay. and uh, buckle up, kids. Buckle up. 
Um, Because today I'm going to ask you, have you all ever wondered about donating your body to science? Yes. When you die? Mm -hmm. A lot. Well, I sure as fuck haven't. But if you were maybe wondering how that all works, well, I'm going to tell you. And you're probably not going to fucking like it. Yeah, no. So I am going to preface this that I am going to tell this story today. And then I'm going to end it because I reached out to our listener, Temple. um, And uh, got her take on this. So today, guys, I'm going to talk about the bad business of body brokers. Oh, shit. I want to ask you a question so bad. What? Dr. Stephen Gore. Mm-hmm. Is he in there? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm so in. Oh, yeah. This is going to be such a good story, you guys. Oh, yeah. We covered him on What's More Metal. Well, and. Oh, I'm so excited. In fact, the majority of his story is in part three, so that's going to be all you. Yeah. So, when Americans leave their bodies to science, they are also donating to commerce. Cadavers and body parts, especially those of the poor, are sold in a thriving and largely unregulated market body brokers are also known as non-transplant tissue banks which is totally different from the organ and tissue transplant industry which in the u.s the government closely regulates well selling hearts kidneys and tendons for transplant is illegal but no federal law governs the sale of cadavers or body parts for use in research or education Few state laws provide any oversight whatsoever, and almost anyone, regardless of expertise, can dissect and sell human body parts, and that is fucked up, y'all. Well, look at what happened on the set of Poltergeist. So, Angela MacArthur, who directs the body donation program at the University of Minnesota Medical School and had formerly chaired her state's Anatomical Donation Commission, said in a 2000 interview with Routers... The current state of affairs is a free-for-all. We are seeing similar problems to what we saw with grave robbers centuries ago, and I don't know if I can state this strongly enough. What they're doing is profiting from the sale of humans. So the industry's business model hinges on access to a large supply of free bodies, which often comes from the poor. And I am going to tell you now that when one of the first companies to start this base their business model off of mcdonald's Mm -hmm. just in terms of if you go to one body broker you should be getting the same it doesn't matter which one you go to it should Mm -hmm. all be yeah yeah well it's not how it is it's Um, not how it should be so in return for a body brokers typically cremate a portion of the donor at no charge By offering free cremation, some death care industry veterans say brokers appeal to low-income families at their most vulnerable. Many have already drained their savings, paying for a loved one's medical treatment and can't afford a traditional funeral. Case in point, Southern Nevada Donor Services in Las Vegas offered grieving families a way to eliminate expensive funeral costs, free cremation, in exchange for donating a loved one's body to advanced medical studies. I am doing air quotations with my fingers. Now, donated bodies do play an essential role in medical education, training, and research. Cadavers and body parts are used to train medical students, doctors, nurses, and dentists. 
Surgeons will say no mannequin or computer simulation can replicate the tactile response and emotional experience of practicing on human body parts. Paramedics, for example, will use human heads and torsos to learn how to insert breathing tubes. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Researchers rely on donated human body parts to develop new surgical instruments, techniques, and implants, and to develop new medicines and treatments for diseases. But despite the industry's critically important role in medicine, no national registry of body brokers exists. Of course. Many can operate in near anonymity, quietly making deals to obtain cadavers and sell the parts. No big deal now. Let's get back to Nevada. In the fall of 2015, neighboring tenants of Southern Nevada Donor Services began complaining about a mysterious stench and bloody boxes just chilling in a fucking dumpster. Yeah. That December, local health records show someone contacted authorities to report odd activity in the courtyard, so health inspectors were sent to check shit out. When they got there, the first thing they saw was a dude dressed in scrubs, holding a garden hose, just chilling in the midday sun, thawing a frozen human torso. Mm-hmm. As the man, as spra- you do, yeah. as you do, yeah. And as the man sprayed down the remains, bits of tissue and blood were washed into the gutters. A state health reporter said, and a report, and the stream just weaved past storefronts and pooled across the street near a technical school. Not fucking cool, my guy. Turns out, Southern Nevada, as the inspectors learned was a body broker, a company that acquires dead bodies, dissects them, and sells the parts for profit to medical researchers, training organizations, and other buyers. Now, what the fuck that even means, I do not know, because there's not a lot of clarification on what that means. Some dark But it sounds shady as all fucking hell, and that frozen torso was being prepared for just such a sale. Some dark web shit. Yep. Dark web shit. Now, despite the industry's critically important role in medicine... There's no registry. They operate total anonymity, quietly making deals. Few rules also mean few consequences when bodies are mistreated. And in the Southern Nevada case, officials found that all they could do was issue issue a minor pollution citation. But I will come back to that in a little bit. So a little known fact that I learned, and you're about to as well, is in most states, anyone can legally purchase body parts. In fact, a Tennessee body broker sold, sold routers a spine and two human heads after just a couple email exchanges. And through interviews and public records in 2017, they identified Southern Nevada and 33 other body brokers active across America during the previous five years. 25 of the 34 body brokers were for-profit corporations. The rest were non-profits. In three years alone, one profit, one for-profit broker earned at least $12.5 million in sales stemming from body parts. That's too many dollars. Now, because only four states closely track donations and sales, the extent of the market for body parts remains unknown. Yeah. But data obtained under public record laws from those states, which are New York, Virginia, Oklahoma, and Florida, provides a glimpse and Rutter's calculated that from 2011 through 2015, private brokers received at least 50,000 bodies and distributed more than 182,000 body parts. 
As with any other commodity, prices for bodies and body parts fluctuate with market conditions. Generally, a broker can sell a donated human body for about $3,000 to $5,000, though prices will sometimes hit $10,000 per entire corpse. A broker will typically divide a cadaver into six parts to meet the customer needs, and an example of a typical range of price for body parts is $3,575 for a torso with legs, $500 for a head, $350 for a foot, and $300 for a spine. Body brokers have also become intertwined with the funeral industry, hence my message to Temple. Um... Routers identified 62 funeral operators that had struck mutually beneficial businesses business arrangements with the brokers. The funeral homes provide brokers access to potential donors in return, and in return, the brokers pay the mortician's referral fees ranging from $300 to about almost $1,500. Mm-hmm. But such relationships raise potential conflicts of interest by creating an incentive for the funeral homes to encourage grieving relatives to consider body donation, sometimes without fully understanding what might happen to the remains. Careful when you donate your body to science, because sometimes you don't. Yep. And Steve Palmer, an Arizona mortician who at the time of this article in 2017... Um, served on the National Funeral Directors Association Policy Board and said, some funeral home directors are saying cremation isn't paying the bills anymore. So let me see if I can help people harvest body parts. I just think families who donate loved ones would have second thoughts if they knew that. Yeah. Absolutely they would. Yeah. You'd be like, oh yes, my family member did this very noble thing to help medical research. Oh wait, what? You mean that you're their fucking fibia? Tibia, who, torso is in some dude's basement for who knows why, thanks to the dark web. Ah, yeah. okay. My next sentence Noble. is, great. Yeah, Steve, I bet they fucking would. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. In December 2016, routers reported that more than 20 bodies were donated to an Arizona body broker and were used in U.S. Army blast experiments without the consent of the deceased mm-hmm. or next of kin. In fact, some donors or their families had explicitly noted an objection to military experiments on consent forms, which is clearly a thing that's included in the paperwork when you're donating your body to science. Yep. An army spokeswoman said the military was deceived by its supplier and never knowingly used the bodies of donors against their wishes. In Honolulu, police were called twice to storage facilities leased to body broker Brian Avery in 2011 and 12, and each time they found decomposing human remains. But both times, the police concluded that Avery had committed no crimes because no state law applied. Now, how is it that leaving a body to just decompose in the fucking humid Hawaiian heat isn't illegal? It blows my goddamn mind. Anyway, Stephen Labrash, who directs University of Hawaii's body donation program, said the Avery case shows the big fucking need for laws to protect body donors. And Labrash said of Brian Avery, everybody knows that what he did was unethical and wrong. But did he break any laws? Not the way that they are written today. Mm-hmm. 
So let's talk about how fucking shitty this all really is, aside from blowing up bodies and bomb experiments. But could you imagine finding out that your father's head was found in an incinerator? Well, that happened to Farrah Fassold. Her father, Harold, Harold Dillard, was diagnosed with terminal cancer the day after Thanksgiving in 2009. As her father lay dying, Fassold said employees from Albuquerque broker BioCare visited her father and made a heartfelt pitch. The generous gift of his body to science would benefit medical students, doctors, and researchers. And Fassold said BioCare told her of several possibilities, including that her father's body might be used to train surgeons on knee replacement techniques, and Harold, wanting to do something good, agreed. Mm-hmm. Farrah's view of biocare would soon change, however. First off, it took weeks longer than promised to get her father's ashes, and when she got them, she knew something wasn't quite right, because what she got looked like sand, mm-hmm. not ashes. And she was correct. Then, in April of 2010, Farrah was told by authorities that her father's head was among several body parts discovered at a medical incinerator. Hooray! She then... Oh, she then realized that BioCare was in the business of selling body parts, saying, I was completely hysterical. We would never have signed up if they had ever said anything about selling body parts. No way. That's not what my dad wanted at all. Inside BioCare's warehouse, authorities say they found at least 127 body parts belonging to 45 people. All of the bodies appeared to have been dismembered by a coarse cutting instrument, such as a chainsaw. Mm -hmm. A police detective wrote in an affidavit, BioCare owner Paul Montano was charged with fraud. However, prosecutors later withdrew the charge against Montano because they said they could not prove deception or any other crime. I'm sorry. Right. No other state law regulated the handling of donated bodies or protected the next of kin. Farrah Fassold rightfully pissed the fuck off, called then-district attorney in Bernalillo County, Carrie Brandenburg, who said, What happened was horrible, but New Mexico law is silent on this kind of activity. In a recent interview, Brandenburg said that she too was frustrated to find that no law protects people like Farrah Fassold and her father. It was outrageous, the former prosecutor said. These families were devastated and injured in a deep way. The authorities ultimately recovered the other body parts of Fassold's father, Harold, and returned them to her for proper cremation. Where were they, you ask? Well, some were found in tubs at the incinerator and others were at the biocare facility. So now let's get back to the 2015 incident outside the Las Vegas company involving the frozen torso. Well, turns out that that was also the product of a partnership between a body broker and a funeral home. Both the broker, Southern Nevada Donor Services, and the funeral home, Valley Cremation and Burial, were struggling financially. Valley agreed to allow Southern Nevada to dissect and prepare cadavers and body parts at its funeral home. The remains and related paperwork would be kept at Valley's warehouse in the suburban industrial park a few miles away. Southern Nevada's owner, Joe Colazzo, had a decade's experience selling body parts, and court records show that he also served nearly two years in prison in the late 90s for forgery. Mm. And a former employer once accused him in a lawsuit of stealing donated body parts valued at $75,000 and selling them to someone in Turkey for what 
I don't know, but again, sounds shady as fuck. Again, look at the poltergeist bodies. <laughs> yes. So local and state officials reported that they found some other fucked up shit after the torso incident at the storage facility. These included a bloody motorized saw typically used by construction workers, moldy body parts inside an unplugged freezer. <laughs> well, luckily, Valley's no longer in business and the owner died, according to state records. Hopefully he got donated to science. Wink. Southern Nevada also discovered. Oh, sorry. Southern Nevada also dissolved and the only person ever charged in the incident was Gary Derishborg a funeral home employee who said his duties included helping prepare body parts for Colazzo. Derishenborg said he was too busy to defrost the torso, so he asked an unemployed friend to do it. Yeah, so you remember the guy just, yep, yep uh -huh. off a torso. So like I said midday before, sun. yeah, it was the only fine they could come up with. Derschenborg, it was a misdemeanor pollution citation for the stream of water that contained human tissue to which he did plead guilty. And as of the time that routers covered the story in 2017, Joe Colasso was a manager at a car dealership and Gary Derishborg was driving for Uber. Those both sound completely on brand. Yep. And that is the end of part one. <laughs> and I am going to um, tell you all what our dear listener Temple had to say. Jeez. Um. Body donation programs can be a huge relief for families unable to afford funeral services. If in such a situation, I hope families feel empowered to ask where the body will go and how it will be used. Unless asked explicitly, most programs will likely be vague with these details. In the case of reputable programs, this is to protect families from unnecessary emotional overload rather than to hide misuse or abuse. Um... Being in North Carolina, I recommend uni university medical schools at Duke, UNC, and Wake Forest. But um, not all bodies will fit the necessary criteria for the programs. In those cases, there is also an anatomical training program in Charlotte that's a good choice. That group provides certification and extension courses extension courses for medical professionals. Um, in all these cases, it can be requested that the cremated remains be returned to the family. But like in Farrah's case, it was a non-reputable company that sent her fucking sand. Um, and just says for her, body brokering becomes problematic when there is no transparency regarding destination or intended use. Mm -hmm. I recommend families to full body programs that can be trusted to follow identification protocols. Always do your due diligence mm -hmm. because there are predatory turds yes. in Every single industry. So in the reputable companies, a body may be studied in parts, but the program will know where all the parts are. In turn, yeah. the family will know as well. Um, and she also said that she was glad I'm doing this story because the practice can be predatory. Um, there are reputable. Now, I'm, now if, if donating your body to science was something you truly wanted to do, don't let this dissuade you. Um, but this is more not to dissuade you like i said but is to make you aware that this is a fucking thing yeah. and it's from what i'm reading there's a lot more not reputable places than reputable a lot more bad than good and i will get to all of that there's there's 
so much more. Um, There's so much more. And the amount of people that truly thought that they were doing something good Mm -hmm. or didn't have a choice and couldn't afford, hence the predatory behaviors of these companies that'll go into nursing homes and hospitals. And they know, they know it's a racket. It's a racket. Body parts, this commerce, millions, people are making millions selling body parts. And guess what? Apparently anyone can fucking do it. You don't need a license. You don't need, you don't need a degree. How shitty of a person do you have to be not only to like just randomly walk into a funeral home and be like, hey, buddy, you want to sell me that fucking body? I, we can, we, you know, maybe you and me, you and me do a little thing. But to be the person that agrees to it. Like, yeah. how terrible of a human person are you to be like, hmm, yes, this this woman loved her father very much, mm-hmm. um, but here's some kitty litter I just sold your dad's head for a lot of money, and I'm, telling, right. I'm not going to tell you how much. Like, because wh- why and how? People are garbage. these companies are supposed to do, and like Temple was saying, is, okay, so um, you agreed, okay, your father's knee is going to go to this orthopedic surgeon yeah. school, and your father's this, the, you know all where the parts are going, and you get the rest of it cremated. Yeah. You get the rest of the parts, not... Hacking off heads and torsos and fingernails. Fingernails. Mm-hmm. There was a company harvesting fingernails. Gross. Which truly hate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gross. Yeah. Like, so, and so what are, what are you doing? Part one is just introducing you all to the idea of body brokers, what they are and what they do. The real heinous shit hasn't started yet. So it gets I, it gets worse. I so want to much preface worse. Part, this is going to get worse. I want to preface parts two and especially three with something. I mentioned his name earlier at the top of the story, mm-hmm. Doctor Stephen Gore. I implore you guys, please do not look him up <laughs> until we read the story mm-hmm. because yeah, two weeks. It is so fucking horrific. I really want you to hear it from me first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and surprise, Randall will be taking over. Oh, yeah, I will be doing. (laughs) Am I going to still do that? Yeah, you guys are... We were going to be doing it on the 30th, but we can easily do it on the 2nd. Unless you just want me to... I'm coming back on the 30th. I wasn't going to be coming back until the 1st, but now I'm coming back on the 30th. Right. So So we can... This is off my stuff. Yep, all right. Anyway, so... (laughs) We done done it. uh, We done done it. Um, Y'all know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe. Share, share, share. If you would like some exclusive motherfucking content, go become a patron on our Patreon. Yeah, and let us know what other kind of stuff you would want to see from yes. Patreon. Tell us about the things. Yes. And, oh, uh, you know, you, you got your spiel. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> check out the Anytime Now podcast, uh, Kids History Podcast, where we talk about unsung heroes, places, and, and events throughout history, told through a theater of the mind format. Super, super fun. We've had really cool narrators like uh, Adam Ray and uh, Amy Miller and other people whose names I can't remember. Uh, Kenny <laughs> Malone from Planet Money. Um, yeah, big, big cool names and smaller ones you may not have heard of. Uh, a lot of them are either funny or experts in the topics. It's super fun. And if you go to, I think I actually remember it now, honesthistory.co, 
and use the promo code GNH, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, and then, you know, uh, you'll be putting me one step closer to not having a day job. And again, that was promo code GNH, G as in ghosts, N and as, as in, in mm. <laughs> H as in hoes. And also, visit a retail store near you that has lots of devices and go subscribe to our podcast on at least five devices, take a video, send it to us, and then we'll send you some shit. Yay, yay. Yeah. All right. I didn't think I was going to get through that without stumbling, and I did. You did. You did a really good job. Well, fuck. Till next time, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Bye. Bye. Hats off to the fuck you club. I guess as a whole. Oh, body. Body brokers. Body brokers as a whole. And also SeaWorld. And SeaWorld as a whole. Yep. SeaWorld. Completely go fuck yourselves. And body brokers. Unscrupulous body brokers. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, no scruples. No they scruples. Are, they are without scruples. Scruples of yore. They are lacking scruples. <laughs> Scru- how, how dare you? Doctor, scruple. Get some scruples, you monsters. <laughs> Negative scruples. I have plenty of scruples to spare. None scruples. Yeah. What's going on? I don't. Why do you ask me these things? I never know. I can't explain it. It just happens. Nobody knows. Pee pee poo poo. <laughs> what the fuck? There it is. <laughs> <laughs>